The Holy Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, who will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, whom the world neither sees nor knows. You know the Spirit because the Spirit abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, our risen Christ. Amen. As you probably gathered from my conversation with the children, I've always been a believer of God in you and God in me. This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples in our gospel reading from John. Even if at the worst of times of you and me, God can still be at work somewhere within. Even if God is harder to see, to feel in grief and pain, God is there. Many people, especially young people, always want some sort of physical evidence of God. To no fault of their own being very literal people. Because like with everything else in this world, physical evidence carries the most weight. The assuredness of things tangible, things touched, things seen. And so when people ask for physical evidence of God, what God looks like, I tell them that God looks like the compassionate and selfless person who forgives you when everyone else would say you don't deserve forgiveness. The physical evidence of God exists in people of this and every fellowship of faith that comes together to support one another in the doubt and the pain that accompanies this life. But that's not what I've always believed or understood about the presence of God in my life or anyone's life for that matter. Like most Christians, the presence and proof of God at work in the lives of people in this world came in the forms of miracles, or at least the stories of miracles. Traditional sorts of miracles, the ones you hear and read about in novels or see made into movies. Until I realized God's presence in you and me, the story of my experience with God's presence came in one of those traditional sorts of miracles. I grew up downhill skiing in the beautiful Rocky Mountains of northwestern Montana, the only one interested in my household of six children. 
And even though I was young, I wouldn't say I was entirely fearless, at least not all of the time. But one such time I acted a little bit fearlessly, I was skiing a little beyond my ability on a challenging run. And I caught the toe of my ski and flew forward. Both of my skis popped off of my boots and I began sliding down a very steep mountain slope. But not in the direction of the run, rather in the direction of a very steep cliff. I flailed about trying to get some traction in the snow with my boots, attempting to stick my toes in, but the packed and icy surface prevented me from finding safe footing. As I neared the edge, my eyes caught sight of the top of a pine tree sticking out of the snow, just above the crest. In a last-ditch effort, I grabbed for it, not sure if it would hold, but it did. And it stopped me just feet short of the cliff's edge. After that thrilling experience, my only rational conclusion, according to my young and naive reflection, was that it was a miracle from God. That I was stopped from sliding right off that cliff when God's hand came down and grabbed tightly to that pine tree that I had grabbed onto in my own grip so that I wouldn't go over the edge. It makes for a good story, maybe not a great one. At least one not worthy of being made into a movie. But it was a story of life when death appeared, or at least severe injury, appeared imminent and unavoidable. This is how many see God in this life. Because that is how we as Christians have been trained to experience God through the story of Jesus. When death was at hand, when it seemed like God had lost because the Savior of the world was on a cross, life sprang forth. Life, of course, meaning the resurrected life of Jesus, but more importantly, the resurrected life for all of us. Which is why miracle stories of death or near death to life are so quickly associated with God. And although these stories can move us in a number of ways, they don't come around all the time. So we need to look further and deeper into our souls to find God. But since we are our own biggest critics, finding God in ourselves can be challenging a lot of the time. This is the call of John's Gospel and the passage we heard from Jesus' farewell discourse. It refers to Jesus' language style with his disciples, his bidding farewell to them and leaving some parting wisdom. It's a lot of wisdom and advice and mostly assurance that he will allow them to function when he is gone. They don't have to wait for miracles to happen. God is still at work through them. And since we consider ourselves to be followers of Christ, these words should comfort us at every point of our lives as well. Be that as it may, Jesus' true purpose in these words was to equip them not to protect themselves, but rather others. Not in an end-of-the-world, apocalyptic sort of way, but to save them from themselves in order that they may share the good with all that they, the good news with all that they encountered. 
reorient their sense of calling from inwardly focused, only worrying about their own salvation, to an outward focus about worrying about their neighbor, those most vulnerable in society, those on the margins, just as Christ did. One very important point that Jesus leaves them with is himself and them. Jesus reiterates that even though he goes, he is in them and God is in them too, all by the power of that advocate, the Holy Spirit. I love to have the same sort of focus when preaching at funerals because of the hope it strikes into the heart of our despair. That even though our beloved family and friends may be gone, that part of them, their love, and all that they have given us in this life will remain with us to comfort us in their absence. But more than comfort, it gives us the will to share with the world all they have shared with us. The same love and sense of call that Jesus gives to all his disciples. And I'd like to believe that even though I've come pretty far in my theological understanding about describing how I see God, I still remember that miraculous day on Whitefish Mountain. But rather than reflect on the thrilling story of how God might or might not have been a part of the force that prevented me from going over the cliff, I give more attention to thinking about how God would have been a part of that day if grief had befallen my family. I wouldn't be standing before you today if that pine tree didn't hold. I think about how God's presence would have been felt by my family and friends as they were comforted in their grief. As morbid as that thought may seem, I have them because of the ways in which I have seen and felt God's presence in my own grief in this life when someone near to me dies. And I'm grateful that God will and continue to be a part of those circumstances in more ways than one. It's a truly inspiring thing to see God at work in others. To feel God's presence in a way that leads us to a grateful and vibrant faith that God never abandons us, but only bears with us in the joys and the sorrows of this life. Perhaps nothing is more inspiring for a vibrant faith than seeing someone, than when someone sees God in us. Not for any sort of self-righteous reasons, but as a humble reminder and motivator that despite our own self-doubt, God can work in you and me to be light in the darkness for the sake of others. There have been too many people to name through which I have seen God in my life. But it reminds me of a story that I once heard about a dear friend of mine. This friend's mother told me about how compassionate they'd always been, even in their formative years in high school. They made it a point to reach out to every student in the community with caring greetings every day. They never let others' praises of them go to their head for their compassion. And there was a moment when this friend in high school were had where she was called out of class in the middle of a lesson 
And that typically meant that somebody was in trouble or that something was wrong. She was a very well-behaved friend who never got in trouble for anything. But she quickly learned that she had been called out of class by one of the people that she offered greetings to on a daily basis. So somebody that was on the margins of social circles at school and someone who was leading that community. It was a foster child who was moving on to a new home and a family, but wanted to take the time to say goodbye to my friend in a special way. So she was called out of class, and she told my friend that through her simple greeting every day, she saw Jesus in her compassion, in her attention, in her very eye contact, noticing her, seeing her value, showing her love. My friend felt very surprised and humbled by the fact that someone had seen Jesus in her, and it has continued to be the foundation for which she understands her calling and her witness to the Christian life. Like me, I'm sure that you pray and strive for such a way of life. But rather than get down on ourselves when we feel like we fail, we should lift each other up and trust that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, has enabled Christ to remain in us always. So may we continually be surprised and inspired to faith by the many ways God is present around us in others. And may we especially find ourselves worthy to have Christ in us and be surprised and inspired to faith because of it. Thanks be to God. Amen.